Welcome to the podcast of Christ Covenant Church, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America, located in the township of Langley, British Columbia. My name is Gary Vanderveen, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you would like to know more about our congregation, please visit us online at www.langleychurch.org. Last Sunday, we began our look at these important verses in Acts chapter 2, and we noted that the early church was marked by four practices, the four marks of the church. The early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the Lord's Supper, and to the prayers. And we observe that God's people always and everywhere are devoted to these four practices because here in these four practices, Jesus is found. Jesus loves us, and Jesus longs to have fellowship with us, and Jesus longs to spend time with us, and Jesus says to us, come to me, come to me, and find rest, come to me, and find life, and so we go where Jesus is found, and he is found in these four practices, and that is why the early church and the church always and everywhere is devoted to these four things. It's all about Jesus. It's all about fellowship with Jesus. It's all about spending time with Jesus. It's all about knowing Jesus and being known by Jesus. And this afternoon, we want to look at that first mark, the apostles' teaching. The early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. And if we are to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, we need to know what the apostles' teaching is. What is it? What is this thing to which they devoted themselves? And so this afternoon, we want to spend a few minutes exploring the nature of the apostles' teaching. What is it? And in order for us to understand more faithfully what it is, I want to look at it through three lenses, through three perspectives, if you will, or, or if you will, or through three windows. I want us to consider the context in which the apostles' teaching is given. To whom is it given? Who needs the apostles' teaching? And then second, we will look at the apostles' teaching itself. What exactly is it? And then third, we will look at the nature or the shape or the contour of, contours of this devotion. Why was the early church devoted to it? And, and what did that devotion look like? What was the flavor or color of that devotion to the apostles' teaching? So let's begin then by looking in the first place at the context. Who received the apostles' teaching? And why was the apostles' teaching given to them? Who needs the apostles' teaching? And you might 
look at me this afternoon and say, well, that's an odd question. It's obvious, isn't it? The apostles' teaching was given to the early church. And yes, that's true. But we need to flesh this out a little bit. You will remember, of course, that the church gathers together in Acts 2, or all of Israel, and all of the believers of the nations, all of the nations are gathered in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 to celebrate Pentecost. Acts 2 verse 5 tells us that devout men from every nation were in Jerusalem. Acts 2 verse 11 says that both Jews and proselytes, that is, God-fearing Gentile converts, Gentiles who believe in the God of Israel, Gentiles who believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the believers of the world, all the believers of the earth, both Jew and Gentile, are gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And so, on Pentecost, Peter preaches to believers. He preaches to those who profess faith in the one true and living God. It's not like Paul and Mars Hill where Paul is preaching to the Greeks, to, to those who are unfamiliar with the faith of the Old Testament. Peter is not preaching to the irreligious. He's not preaching to God-haters. He's preaching to those who with their lips profess the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is precisely why they are in Jerusalem, to celebrate one of the great three feasts. And Peter preaches to them, to those who profess the faith. But tragically, not everyone who professes the faith with their lips believes in God. You will remember in our gospel reading this afternoon that Jesus castigates the Pharisees. He says to them, you search the scriptures. You know the scriptures inside out. You have it all memorized. You understand Moses better than everyone. And you think that in your knowledge of the Old Testament, you have eternal life, but you've missed the boat. Because these scriptures testify to me. Moses writes about me. And if you believed Moses, if you believed these words, you would believe in me. But you don't. And in Acts chapter 2, there are those believers who are in Jerusalem who do not believe. Do you remember how some mock the, 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 the uh, disciples as they preach and proclaim the mighty works of God? What's the accusation against them? Well, surely these guys are drunk. They mock the apostles' teaching. They mock the disciples as they proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ lived 
died, rose, and ascended into heaven for them, for their salvation. And so, brothers and sisters, as we come to this passage and as we seek to understand the apostles' teaching, we must be very aware of the tendency, the temptation in each one of us to be self-deceived, to, to think that we were pursuing the apostles' doctrine, but in actual fact, we are more interested in serving an idol of our imagination. There are many who profess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many who gather in the church week after week. There are many who come to, the, to Pentecost to celebrate with the church, who when confronted with the apostles' teaching, mock it, scorn it, and do not believe in it. One of my friends calls these people, these religious, these pious people who have mouth religion but not heart religion, he calls them food critics. He says they show up to church pretending that they want a meal, the meal of God's grace, the meal of the preaching of the word, the meal of the Lord's supper. They come to church pretending to want Jesus but they refuse to embrace Jesus as Jesus gives himself to them in the preaching and in the sacrament. And so they, you know how people can touch food on their plate and play with their vegetables but not really eat or play with their meat and not really eat it. They play with the food that is served to them, but they refuse to digest it with gladness and generosity, praising God. And most of the time, these are the people who grumble and complain. It's interesting in this passage, isn't it, that the early church is marked out by their joy, their happiness. They are glad. They are generous. They are praising God. They are thankful for every morsel of grace. Instead of looking at what they are not receiving, they give thanks to God for what they have received and are receiving in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, beware. Beware lest there be in any of us an evil heart of unbelief, a heart that grumbles and complains at the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as he comes to us in the apostles' teaching. And this leads us to the second point. Well, what exactly is the apostles' teaching? What is it that some were devoted to, that some received with gladness and joy, and some rejected? What is the apostles' teaching? 
And I think the best way to answer this question is simply to look at the sermons of the apostles and to look at what the apostles wrote for us in the New Testament. And what better place to look than Peter's sermon? We've already looked at Peter's sermon a couple of weeks ago. And let me remind you of a few parts or aspects of his sermon. You will remember how Peter, in verse 22, says this. Men of Israel, hear the words of Jesus of Nazareth. The apostles' teaching is all about Jesus. Jesus is at the center of the apostles' teaching. Jesus is the beginning and the end of the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching is about the life, death, resurrection, ascension into heaven, Christ's intercession, uh, 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 ascension into heaven, where he reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords and gathers a people to himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. The apostles' teaching is nothing more and nothing less than an explanation of the person and work of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he does. And sometimes we conservative Bible-believing Christians get a little nervous when we hear that the apostles' teaching is simply about Jesus. Okay, we don't think that's wrong. We don't think that's mistaken. But we get a little nervous because we don't think it's enough. You know, what about our precious doctrine? What about our precious creeds and confessions? What about our five points? But let me remind you that that nervousness is completely unwarranted because the apostles' teaching is found on every page of the New Testament. It includes the doctrine. It includes all of these things. But at the very center of it, at the very center of the apostles' teaching is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Think of all the letters of the, in the New Testament. Think of Paul's epistles. Think of Peter's writings. Think of John's writings. And in each of those letters, in each of those books, what do they do? They explain to us the meaning and significance of Jesus of his person, of his work, and they apply it to every area of life. So it's not squishy, it's not vague when we say that the gospel is simply about Jesus. Because we have the example of the apostles and they tease out all the implications for us for every area of life. So here's the challenge this afternoon. As you think about your own life, as you think about your own faith, your lifestyle, how you live, how, how you understand the Christian life, here's the challenge to you. 
If you can explain your Christian walk, your, your Christian life with very little reference to the person and work of Jesus Christ, you need to go back to the drawing board. It's all about Jesus. The doctrine is all centered around the person and work of Jesus. Our lifestyle, it all flows out of who Jesus is. And if we cannot explain our Christian life without constantly going back to Jesus, it's very possible that we are serving an idol rather than the Savior of sinners. You know, it's very interesting as you work through the, the book of Acts that the only thing the disciples ever get in trouble for is their preaching on the person and work of Jesus. Think for a minute of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 as they are brought before the council, the Sanhedrin. They're brought before the Jewish leaders, the Sadducees, the lawyers, the scribes. And the charge is not, oh, these men are teaching from a different book. They are rejecting the Old Testament and they're introducing a new authority. No, they get in trouble because they are encouraging God's people to look at the Old Testament in a new way through the, the lens of Jesus Christ. And they're proclaiming that through his life, death, and resurrection, there is salvation for sinners. You, you could even say they're not brought up on charges because they're introducing new doctrine. But rather, they're taking the doctrine that they've inherited from the Old Testament and they're reading it and applying it in light of the person of Jesus Christ. And this is what makes the religious leaders furious. They cannot tolerate this man. They cannot tolerate Jesus. And so it's interesting in Acts chapter 4 that after the council hears the testimony of Peter, that they come to this conclusion in verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. They say, this, these men have been with Jesus. It's not... A new book that concerns them. It's not new doctrine that concerns them. Their concern is that these men have been with Jesus. They have so imbibed the teaching of Jesus. They have so embodied the teaching of Jesus that when they are brought before the council, the only charge that sticks is this. These are Christians. These are little Jesuses, if you will. These are people who live like Jesus. Jesus, who think like Jesus, who act like Jesus, and this is the concern. This is the cause of their outrage. The point is that the apostles' teaching is all about Jesus. It is Christ 
centered from beginning to end. It's all about Jesus. And as an aside, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down. Look at the other sermons of Peter in the book of Acts, and they're all about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven for the forgiveness of sins. Because there will be a day when Jesus returns to judge all mankind. So Acts 3 verses 13 to 23, Acts 4 verses 8 through 12, Acts 10 verses 34 to 38. Here we have other examples of Peter's preaching, and they're all focused on Jesus. And the point again, brothers and sisters, is that the apostles' teaching is nothing more and nothing less than an exposition of the person and work of Jesus, an application of the person and work of Jesus to all of life. And that brings us then to the third point. What exactly did this devotion look like? What was the nature, the color, or flavor of their devotion to this teaching? And you will remember last week, we looked at this word, uh, devoted, and it, and it means to persist, and I said I offered you my favorite definition, to persist obstinately, to be hard-headed. Nothing is going to stand in the way because we are going to pursue these things at all costs. And the early church pursued the apostolic teaching, the apostles' teaching at all costs. I think of, of, the, of, of the language that Peter uses when Peter says that we are to long for the spiritual milk like infants. And if you know anything of, of how infants are, they cry, they scream, they clamor for milk until they're fed. And they're not content until they're fed. And the image, of course, is that this is what, who, who believers are. Believers are those people who cry for the milk of God's word. And they're not happy and they're not content until they are made full of the apostles' teaching. Okay? Why is it that that God's people gather together Sunday after Sunday to hear the apostles' teaching. Well, it's not because you're commanded to, right? It's not because there's this, this sense of duty. It's not because the elders are phoning you up and saying, brother, you better show up this Sunday or else. Why do we show up? Because we are longing for the apostles' teaching. We are devoted. Love does not need to be told to pursue this because we so desperately want to be with Jesus. We so desperately want more of Jesus that we want his word. We want to know him and be known by him so we come together under the feet of Jesus to hear his word, the apostles' teaching. Why do we gather together at every opportunity on Wednesday night 
to study God's word on Thursday night to, to pray together. Why do we do this? Because we long for God's word. And notice the flavor. It's not that they're all doing this individually, which is true. But notice verse 44, and all who believed were together. They came together to study God's word. They came together for Christian fellowship. They came together for the Lord's Supper. They came together to pray together. Christians do not flourish as hermits. We do not flourish by locking ourselves in a cave and, and seeking God on our own, trying to discern his will, trying to understand his word. No, God designed us so that we best understand him and we best know him when we seek to understand and know him together in community. This is what we see in the early church. This is what we see going on in Acts chapter 2. All who believed were together, and together they were committed to these four practices. It's a corporate devotion, a together devotion. You could even say a one another devotion. They're doing this together. Brothers and sisters, where the spirit of the ascended Christ is, there you will find believers gathering together, not out of a sense of duty, but out of a deep, deep love for and devotion to Jesus. And where Jesus is, there you will find the apostles' teaching. And there you will find the people of God. For they will be with their Savior. They will pursue their Savior. They will long to be with their Savior. Amen. Amen.